This is a HeadGum Podcast. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey. Call the cops. This level of foolishness, hey. enjoy. Losers, in other words. Hey. I did everything right and they indicted me. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, your 45th president. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Are you still Louise. using that AI voice thing? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I pay for it every month because <laughs> it is a subscription that you you do have to do. But but no, I I oh, haven't. No. I haven't used it in a little bit. Fell Why? What, what are you looking for? Well, I was just thinking you could use it to have Donald Trump sing Taylor's version of me. Now that is that's a whole um, subgenre. I'm sure we've talked about right. on, on the podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like the the AI voices that um, you know can do like full on songs, not just like not just a little bit of of like a speech or something that sounds <laughs> a little bit. I swear we've played this before. This, hang on, let me see if I can oh, find yeah. it. For a while now. This is Kanye West singing Bubbly by Colby Kaye. He sounds good. <laughs> he sounds great. He sounds, dare I say better than he's ever sounded. This is the thing. This is the freaking future that you're hearing right here. Oh my gosh. It's so chaotic and it's not. It's not that hard. Not it, that hard. It, Rihanna put out that album. You don't even have to sing, babe. I know you. Got, someone put out um, a, 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 a Taylor song, but with the Lord AI voice, and it's oh like this my is gosh. just the Lord song because it was Jack produced. As oh well. right, right, right. And it was like, oh yeah, this it's a crossover. Is just... <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> this is a cover of a Jack Johnson song called oh, "Upside so Down." Sing. I can't do everything. Well, I can't try. <laughs> the Curious George song by Kanye West. Oh, yeah. It just sounds like a man that's very good at singing, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. I can't place it as Kanye. Oh. <laughs> Owl City, Kanye, Swift. Nothing's us forever. <laughs> yeah. But you looking for some? You looking for some new spices mm. and flavors from the AI? I'll have to think on that. Yeah. Well, if you can do that, Donald Trump me, that would be good. 
Me he he. But he doesn't. We haven't. But he doesn't sing. Yeah, but is that a problem? I don't know. You know, and I'm glad we're talking about this now. <laughs> is it a problem that he doesn't sing? My main issue with him is we've never gotten him to sing. Now, th- there's been famous examples of President singing. Of course, we remember from 10 or so years ago when Barack Hussein Obama sang a little bit of Let's Stay Together by Al Green oh, how at that was one he? rally. You Have you not heard this? I don't know. Wait, okay. Now, this is worth... <laughs> worth a listen? Oh, yeah. All right. And this is not AI. This is the real raw dog of uh, of Obama singing that he was literally at the Apollo when he did this, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate. I of all people really appreciate. Uh, okay, here we go. Aaron, the oh. president. Uh. So in love. Oh my gosh. He's got, he's the got soaked the floor. Squish, squish, squish. Oh my squish. gosh. And it was pretty good though. But I think I think the the standout that we all remember <laughs> is um you know, President Bill Clinton, whose favorite song is Imagine by John Lennon. It is? According to him. Okay. Yeah, he comes from a different time. He didn't have to put out like, oh, here's my fire playlist every year like <laughs> Obama does. Uh, but there was a, a children's choir of 40 Arab children and 40 Israeli children oh, that yeah. learned the song for him. And then they, they invited him up on stage to sing it with him. And you, <laughs> you can see him. would like to invite you to sing with me. He's like, okay, I guess I'll do it. He goes on stage. And we all... They give him a microphone, but he's mostly just watching them. And so... Yeah, well, also, like, she's soloing. What's he supposed to do? This is the reality of what would happen in real life in a Jackson Maine Alley situation. It's one of them which is very. You can hear oh, a there little you go. bit. Oh. <laughs> Live with Blue. <laughs> Sounds kind of like Bruce. And then, hey, what the? F- that is such horseshit. <laughs> Sorry. In a way that <laughs> forgive me, it's so clear you don't even know what you're talking. <laughs> people. By the way, this is just a little personal corner, but uh, our <laughs> sure. friend Eric is following him. Yeah, in Europe right now, abroad. And he was in Sweden. He was in Gothenburg, and he went to a couple shows there. And he videoed someone's proposal. Someone proposed to their now fiance at a show. And then other media outlets put it up and said, like, cr- video credit at Eric <gasps> oh Mark my or gosh. whatever his name is. But then in the video, people are dunking on the man proposing of, like, ah, this isn't going to last. Because hey. it was kind of corny the way oh, he did it. Well, but, you know, to each their own. But, you know, it's when you're in a kind of horny romantic environment like a Springsteen right. concert like, in there's Sweden. There's no better place. What's going to happen except <laughs> daylight. for that? <laughs> but no, I don't need the slander today. Is it hard that... Eric is living yes. your dream. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is, yeah. actually. Because I'm like, my my chicks have flown the nest. Mm-hmm. My friend Katie saw him already. My friend Eric saw him already. I have not seen him. Get news outlet coverage of his videos. Yeah, and it's been seven years. It should be you. It, sh- it should be me. It should be you. It should be me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have Good Christian Fun. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music, and the movies, and the entertainment made for and made by Christians. We also talk about president singing, whether it's Bill Clinton doing mm-hmm. Imagine, or Al Green doing, or excuse me, Barack Obama doing Al Green, or George W. Bush probably having karaoke parties at his house. Yeah. Love Shack. I was going to say if anyone was going to be caught singing on mic, it was going to be Pres Bush. So I'm, I'm shocked. I bet he did something. People have taken now watch this drive and turn it into like <laughs> EDM drops. <laughs> but if you Google George W. Bush singing, uh, nope, you got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. Maybe Damn. maybe he's a little he's a little tone deaf. He's a little shy, which would be his greatest sin oh, that he's ever committed. Well, he can't help it. Uh, but we're here to talk about a real singer, which is Stephen Curtis Chapman and his song "For the Sake of the Call." Oh yeah. For the sake of the call, which was a nomination from one of our listeners in a previous episode of Call Upon I remember Our Name, this. we fielded nominees for New Singles Ministry on our second service, and this one made it through. Um, but before we get to that, just wanted to do a little, a little movie corner uh, on this theme. As we record this, it is July Fourth weekend. Happy July Fourth to you. Happy July Fourth to you. Uh, we did. We did know patriotic material, any content in either feed this year. We've done mm. American history episodes of Adventures in Aussie in true, years past. True, true. We've done, we've listened to that Jump 5 God Bless the USA <laughs> cover at GWB's White House in 2002. Oh, uh, yeah. Those little children singing for their lives uh, as we invade Afghanistan. But something else notable happened this week that I think is worth talking about and mentioning, which is... A, a, a sort of box office revolution. Um, currently in theaters, you can see Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. You can see... The Kraken. You can see The Kraken. You can see Asteroid City, if that's what's floating your freaking perfectly symmetrical boat. But also, the number one movie at the box office, would you guess, would you care to guess what the number one movie at the box office was this week? Uh, gotta be Indiana Jones or a Fast and Furious, surely. Uh, now, you would think that. It would make sense that that would be the case, but you would be mistaken because there is a movie called Sound of Freedom. Mm. That is number one at the box office. I don't like the sound of that. I do not like the sound of that. <laughs> it is direct, directed and co-written by a gentleman named Alejandro Monteverde. Okay. Uh, who doesn't have too much in the way. He he co-wrote and directed a movie called Little Boy. <laughs> uh, starring Kevin James. This is oh, a face uh, it's a faith-based film that he did. Okay. Is uh, Kevin James doing faith-based stuff now? He was. Has he that. been doing that? That's Kevin James, Tom Wilkinson, Michael Rappaport, Emily Watson. Uh but he's also made a movie called Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom, I think the most important thing to highlight and mention about this movie, top build, Jim Caviezel, who (laughs) viewers, listeners may remember as the titular Christ and the passion of the Christ. 
And Jim Caviezel plays IRL hero to some Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard from Operation Underground Railroad, a U.S.-based anti-sex trafficking nonprofit organization. Oh, right. Okay. So, so this is sort of a human child sex trafficking QAnon-adjacent film. Mm-hmm. That on a budget of 14 mil has already made 18 mil at the box office. Oh my God. Starring Jim Caviezel, Mira, Mira Sorvino, Bill Camp, and Kurt Fuller. They're, they're in this as well. Did Jim produce? Jim, oh, you know, he actually did not. He did not produce okay. this one. But it's lighting up the box office. Uh, Tim Ballard, a former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in Colombia. He quits his job as a special agent to become a vigilante and embarks on a mission to rescue children. Now, people can look into the Tim Ballard of it all, the hashtag save the children of it all, but this is weird, wild, and maybe a little bit bleak that this is one of our, this is one of our top grossing um, films. Interesting. At the box office. Wow. Wow. You really... If you want to hit on your hands, you got to start getting those churches to bus in. I got to say. Churches to bus in? Yeah, get churches those will be churches bussing for that. Bussing. Oh, <laughs> when they see those children say they'll be bussing in the eyes. Oh my God. While promoting the film in April of 2021, Caviezel endorsed some elements of the QAnon conspiracy. Caviezel mentioned that Ballard was supposed to be appearing at the conference that he was appearing at. It was an anti vax conference in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Yikes. that he was at. Uh, but he was saving victims of trafficking who were victims of adrenochroming practice whose existence is suggested by QAnon adherents. Caviezel suggested he had seen evidence of children being subjected to the practice. So this is Ugh. a deep state, deep movie. This is rough. And that's where it is. I wonder how, I hope to never find out, but I do wonder how in depth they go into like the conspiracy level of it all, you know, or if this is like a gateway into like, oh, you care about this trafficking issue, right? Like, here's a good hero movie. Uh-huh. Go ahead and check the link out at the end of the credits, you know? <laughs> and like, we'll really get tell you the real truth or whatever. Check the production credits. Yeah. It's, Bill, Bill, Bill Camp's a real person. He's a real actor. People may remember him as God, question mark, from The Leftovers. Or that nice janitor who taught Queen's Gambit oh, yeah. how to play chess in Queen's Gambit. Huh. He's a he's a little legend, and I am interested in his involvement in yeah. this movie. I'm getting work feels odd, but look at that. So we just want to say congrats to Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Let Freedom <laughs> ring at the box office this week. Hopefully, it's playing at a theater near yeah. you. Can you even see Sound of Freedom in Los Angeles? Yes, you can. We can see it at our beloved uh, AMC close by no. us if we what? want to. Tonight at 10 o'clock, Caroline, we might be done in time. Okay. We might be ready. I'm going to let some sounds of freedom out. Gracious. So. Oh, man. I can't believe Jim Caviezel even was allowed on set. Yeah, but, but, but you know, he, he is handsome, so he still gets some he work. still's got that going on. Wait, I'm going to look this up on the AMC app. So, <laughs> see if you can... Book a ticket. <laughs> he was promoting it in 2021, so they've been working on this for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. It's their, 
yeah, a great white whale of some sort for so congrats two hours, to them. Minutes. Yeah, a breezy two fifteen, hundred and thirty five. So minutes. insane. Wow. Interesting to think about. Now you saw Dial of Destiny. I did. I saw Dial of Destiny. Do you feel like they could have combined these two things? <laughs> Indiana yeah. Jones and the Vial of Adrenochrome. <laughs> right. Two birds, one Nazis stone. Nazis and, and Hillary Clinton sure have a lot in common, don't they? And in this one, it's like, what if the Nazis are on to something? Like he kind of <laughs> does a 180 on yeah. Nazis. I got to say, they could have been harder on the Nazis in Dial of Destiny. Did they lighten up on them? They didn't necessarily lighten up on them, <laughs> but it's like... They were just kind of the standard bad guys, you know? And uh-huh. don't get me wrong, they killed a ton of Nazis in that movie, as they should. But it was like... Great, we love it. In this era of American uh, education, we're going to need you to just just talk a little bit more about what the Nazis were doing. You can't just be like, Nazis, shorthand, you know? Or like, here's the, the, the goons that are coming to shoot him, take him away. There just happen to be Nazis. I'm like, no, we need to really talk about the Nazis, you know? It is interesting, and it's sort of rebuttal <laughs> to the idea of, um, or, or it's a refutation of the idea of progressivism and a sort of reinforcement of C.S. Lewis's idea of chronological snobbery. That is the idea of whatever is the latest time period is the most evolved period of time because mm-hmm. it's the latest. So we're the most evolved in 2023 because it's 2023. And they weren't in 1993 or 83 right. because it was back then. Right. But it is interesting to be at a moment in time in which Disney might be playing it a little Stop safe. shooting with the Nazis. Because it's like, well, <laughs> they see movies too. Want to anger our base. <laughs> I mean, what is the crossover with like white supremacists and neo-Nazis? Wild. And Disney adults. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Venn diagram. Yeah. I'm not sure. <sighs> Was there any Christian content in that movie? Because, of course, Holy Grail um, in the freaking Last right. Crusade is the cup that Christ drank from. Ark of the Covenant? Ark of the Covenant, the first For one. Real? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there is... Does he pray? Is he Christian? He, yeah, there's, there's actually a long Bible study scene <laughs> in Deanna Jones. We're going like, to do popcorn Marian, prayer. It's weird. There is a um, an artifact that they talk about for a little while, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler, that was like the spear, the like lance that they used to like spear Christ's side when he was on the cross. Mm-hmm. They talk about that for a little bit. But it's not actually very powerful in the movie. So this is the other thing. Actually, I'd say if anything, the new Indiana Jones movie kneels to the god of science and facts secularism <laughs> fuck yeah science how so it is uh well i, I don't know if, if people want to go see it i will try not to spoil it but they the the artifact that they pick is like kind of has like some cool powers and stuff mm-hmm. but it is rooted in literally math Okay. So there's no like spirituality coming through. It's like ancient Greek scientists. Yeah, and the Bible, aside from Noah's little ark measurements, it's not exactly a math textbook. Not so, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> behind the cubits measurements. Yeah. But we're seeing all two and a half hours of it. Um, man, it was long. Well, we weren't planning to see on it, and we started at eight thirty, and it was not done until like eleven twenty. You know, it was late. I was feeling it. But um yeah, I think there's there's parts of it that are fun. It's it's just like a vestige of what Indiana Jones 
was and continues to be, you know, over time. But uh, I, I enjoyed myself at certain points. It was nice to see Phoebe Waller in it. Ford was just uh, recently on Conan's podcast with our friend Matt Gorley, oh, who yeah. was having a little fanboy oh, moment. Yeah. Which was very sweet to see, especially sweet. in the video. Harrison loves, he doesn't love anything in this world, but he seems to love fucking around with Conan. Really? Yeah. It feels like it's really hard to get him to like say anything than like monosyllabic answers. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to that. Oh, yeah. There's a clip from, I think, 23 years ago from the year 2000 of him doing Conan when he was on late night in the 1230 slot. Mm-hmm. And even at that time, Conan's making jokes about like, yeah, well, you can do another one of these Indiana Jones movies when you're like 80. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. He's like, Indiana Jones in the comfy bed. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Why don't you just bring the artifacts into my room? You know? It does kind of start with him like laying down asleep in an <laughs> armchair. <laughs> but he got moving. He did a couple of his stunts, I think. He got up on some high things. Here and there. Good for him. Yeah. And you couldn't tell the deep fakery too, too much? (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It was seamless. It was so cool. It was like the first third of the movie, I'm not kidding, is... Deep fake? Young, yeah, deep fake Indiana Jones. But young face, but old voice, right? But old voice, the oldest voice. And the thing that I was really like trying to parse through is when they were actually using like his body. Mm Mm-hmm. With the young face projected on his old face, I guess. Which I think they did, but then it's not consistent. So that was mostly what I was watching for. But that's not what you want to be thinking about when you're yeah, watching a movie. Ooh, there's the old neck. You know, oh, that's the young neck. You know, like it, it, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's been a whatever, a complaint or something people have noticed in the past. When it's like, oh, did this person maybe get a facelift or something? Or, mm-hmm. oh, maybe they got a little lip filler. But now it's like, I don't know if that body belongs <laughs> to that face for <laughs> not even just like a shot or two, but for a majority of the movie. I don't know if this actor was literally alive <laughs> when they did this and captured the voice. It's very, yeah, I wouldn't say it, it's enjoyable, but I don't know, maybe we're... We're dinosaurs, and eventually, like, no one will care and won't blink an eye. You know? I would say out of the upcoming sort of deluge of summer films that we're about to experience, the one that might have the most in common with what we talk about on our show is Barbie, based on things that Greta's been putting down. Really? Yeah. Like, for like ex- what? Well, there was an example. There was this long uh, article in The New Yorker about... Mattel and they're pushing to film that they're doing. Sorry, I just crouched myself down because I was trying to make some text bigger and I can't. So I have to get (laughs) a little bit closer (laughs) to my screen. And at at one point, there's there's a little paragraph in this where it talks about like Gerwig's decision to make it and move into this larger scale movie making, $100 million versus like the stuff she was doing before. Uh And talking about being entrusted, being entrusted with this really precious intellectual property from this toy company, from uh-huh. Mattel. And her agent is quoted a lot in this piece, what? which is actually really illuminating because he's like, yeah, here's what me and Greta are trying to do with her career and blah, blah, blah. But at one point, uh, Jeremy Barber, an agent at UTA who represents Gerwig and her partner, Noah Bombach, uh-huh. uh, told one of the execs at Mattel, because uh, <laughs> they were trying to fuck with what they were doing with Barbie, are you crazy? You should have come into this office and thanked me when Greta and Noah showed up to write a fucking Barbie movie. 
And then this, this is a quote from the thing. In the end, Gerwig presented executives with a poem in the style of the Apostles' Creed, a li- like kind oh, of outlining yeah. what she wanted to do with the movie. And before, she's talked about how like some of the stuff, I mean, Cena, I don't know anything about this movie yet. We're about to, a week from when this episode comes out. But a lot of it is creation myth. A lot of it is leaving the Garden of Eden, and it's clearly mm. something on her mind. Loss of innocence. Loss of innocence. And it's going to be very much on her mind as she will be doing at least two Chronicles of Narnia movies for Netflix. Yeah. How did that make you feel? We talked about one of them, Prince Caspian, on this show. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like those, that series, when they did those, like there's something kind of good about them, but there's a lot to be desired, I would say. And so- Uh, especially in Greta's like maybe more poetic, lush style, I could see those books being a, a lot more impactful on the screen. You know, yeah, like take some of the tenderness of the sister relationships in Little Women, or yeah. some of the you know paternal maternal stuff in in Lady Bird. Yes, and then project that onto. She's clearly got an idea about it, and if they let her yeah. freaking cook. Then maybe go, go crazy on it, Gerwig. I guess that'd be but, cool. But it will be, yeah. That'll <clears throat> There's be. always the problem of Aslan, though, and making Aslan something interesting and not just like this forbidden god figure that's very cold and strange, you know? Yeah. So, what would her take yeah. on it be? Is it <laughs> what's up, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> Aslan sits down in a backwards chair, <laughs> cross legged. Hey, so kind of different from the other lines. Let's get the shit. And it's motion capture from Tracy Letts somehow. It's like, ah, it's, it looks that weird. can work with that. You know, that might be good. But it's so weird to see her pivot this hard into the big. Yeah, big movies. Big. She She's wants like, to, I'm ready to get paid. I saw a tweet that's like, well, someone in the family needs to. <laughs> I guess. That's true. There's kids in the house now. I think Noah wrung the Netflix well dry <laughs> of every cent dollar he that they had to give him. did everything he could do. Yeah. But mm. something worth talking about. And yeah, I, I'm really curious to see how those themes play out in yeah. the next couple movies. Yeah. I can't freaking wait. Can't freaking wait. Me too. And then Mission Impossible, I don't think it's going to have any Christian themes <laughs> at all. Well, Tom wouldn't have it that way. Uh, Christian themes. Uh, no, there will be themes. Religious themes. Themes. Do you think Oppenheimer will have some spirituality to it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is going to be about playing God on some level, right? Right. right. And being responsible Who's for the destruction to? and what have I wrought. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie is rated hard. Ha- rated hard. Rated hard. <laughs> rated R. It's rated R, and a lot of it's for language and some violence, but some of it's for sex and. <laughs> Oh, whoa. And the thing is, they shot the- Oh, yeah. Isn't this the first uh, Nolan movie with sex in it? And it's Oppenheimer? And it's Sloppenheimer. (laughs) Might get a little Sloppenheimer. And the thing I'm really looking forward to is that, you know, in some of these movies, it's like they'll shoot this big sequence in IMAX, and then the rest is on regular cameras. But I believe Mm -hmm. he shot the whole thing in IMAX, Mm. which means for the sex scenes- he shot them with, with its massive cameras. Ca- so it's like, all right, it's this huge thing the size of a car in the room, just like rotating around. All right, Emily now really Blunt. Oppenheimer. Yeah, now really up and out, Oppenheimer style. 
things like that. That's the holy trinity, the holy trinity of July movies. But I bet in terms of spirituality, it's gonna go, it's gonna go Barbie, then it'll go Sloppin', and then it'll go Mission. In Mission. terms of the relevance to our show, I yeah. bet we could ring a movie heaven out, Barbie, if we Ooh, wanted to. I would love to, unless it's a, it's a, you know, news bone level deep disappointment, mm. which would suck and be bad. You guys don't want to listen to us. Talk about how much a movie sucks for two hours. We could do it. We've never done it before. We wouldn't on this dare show. do it until now. Oh, gracious. <laughs> but we're not talking about movies today. We're talking about music. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. This headgum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time for another edition of Singles Ministry. Give him a second. There he is. You stuck in the green room for a minute, <laughs> wrapping up a story. Oh shit! I gotta get out there. <laughs> Sing the singles ministry anthem. <laughs> We're doing singles ministry. We're talking about the song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen squirt as fat man. He even Skeeton. squirt. Skeeton squirt as fat man. And the song is for the sake of the call. For the sake of the call, which for the shake of my balls. <laughs> The song is for the shake of my balls. It's from his fourth album released in 1990. This is a 33-year-old song, at least. Wow. It won the 92 Grammy for Best Pop Contemporary Gospel Album. This is a Grammy Award-winning album that we're listening to. It was certified gold. And he wrote this song all by himself. 
And by the wow. way, on an episode the listeners may or may not have caught by now, you drew comparisons between Ed Sheeran and, and perhaps another singer-songwriter type in my life. Mm-hmm. I think the more comparable figure would be a Stephen Curse Chapman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for we talked sure. about that. He's Dad Sheeran. That's what we called him many, many years ago. He is Dad Sheeran. On this show. Very approachable. Yeah. Seems kind. Very kind, but, you know, big swings, big big themes. Oh, yeah. Great gowns. <laughs> <laughs> great themes, beautiful themes. So we... It really we, goes there. We really have no runway to do a hit the goalpost because this thing just starts. Starts hard. Starts hard. So let's take a listen to, for the sake... Rated hard. With a shake of my balls, here's Steve Skeeton, Squares Fatman. Been there. This road will not lead you. That's not why we're doing it. A podcast I'll start. <laughs> That's right. Been there. I just want to play. I just want to play the the bridge real quick. There we go. Because he talks about this in interviews. You can cut this part out, Emma. Oh. 
Doesn't that little trill sound like turning on a computer for the first time in like 1988? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called the World Wide Web. Time to get online and surf. <laughs> Ooh. For the shake of my balls by Skeet and Squirtus Fat Men. I read you. Can I read you a little passage from Encyclopedia of Contemporary Christian Music by our good friend Mark Allen Powell? You can. I, I hope he's still alive. We should book him. We should book him. We book him every time we read from him. Um, this is about the title track from the album. He says, he read, talking about Stephen, he read Diedrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was... Uh, Sort of martyr type. He had a he hatched a plan to kill Hitler, and he wrote things like uh, Christian works like Life Together, Fellowship and Community, The Cost of Discipleship, kind of like pillars of huge stuff. Yeah, the community one was big. Uh, quick side note: Has there been a Christian movie about Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Because that would be a good one. No, but the, the guy that wants to kill Hitler. The main the main biographer of him and the one who wrote that book that I saw in like every Christian's apartment from circa 2010 to 2014. Mm-hmm. There's a guy named Eric Metaxas, who is a fervently right-wing conservative radio host, commentator guy. So I wonder if he would have like some claim to the rights of that yeah. in some fashion. Dietrich had some good ideas. He also had some bad ideas, like killing the Fuhrer. But, you know, <laughs> hear him out, guys. <sighs> His response to the book, this is from the encyclopedia, he read Diedrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship, a book from which few Christians escape unscathed. (laughs) His response was For the Sake of the Call, the title song from his fourth album, which was to become a signature tune. The song expresses the essence of true Christian discipleship, a following Christ not for recognition, which is why I'm doing it, or gain, but simply in response to a call. Has been especially meaningful to candidates for the ordained ministry or other church vocations, and it is printed not always legally on lots of inserts and lots of hymnals at lots of Bible schools and seminaries. Musically, the song represents a stellar example of the recipe of a trademark Stephen Kerr's Chapman song. Add killer hooks to the acoustic underpinning and big vocals, and let it all lead up to a big, big chorus. Repeat several times. <laughs> That is the oh, sort of SCC confection. Love that. If you were to make it in a lab, that's what you would find. Marco and Alan Powell, always the sassiest encyclopedia he gets writer. A little sassy. I love it. Um, interesting. This is a well. What do you think that Stephen is trying to convey? Is the call versus what is not the call? That's interesting to me too, and I want to talk about it. Uh, and, and just a little more background on it, going off of that. Steven said, you know, he talked about this, of like, what does it mean to call myself a Christian, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? He talks about reading the cost of discipleship. He said, I think it took me a year to read because I'm a slow reader and it's a very deep book. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to share that, Props Steve. to him for the transparency, <laughs> though. No one, no one talks like this. That's so true. I've been reading Jesus and John Wayne for four years. Just like your hero. <laughs> Take your time. It really challenged me. It was one of those times in life where God just took me by the hand and said, all right, come on. I'm taking you somewhere you've never been before. And he really did that with that book. As I was reading it, I found a passage that talked about the fact that the disciples didn't follow Christ for the sake of a great cause 
or a dream. It was simply because Jesus said, come follow me. They recognized that he was more than just a man. And though it didn't make sense to anyone, maybe even to themselves, they responded for no other reason than that he had called. I finally began to understand that to me, that's what it means to follow Jesus Christ, which is almost a little more circuitous the way he's putting it. Yeah. A little more opaque. But he does, that's sort of underlined in the bridge of the song is, not for the sake of a creed or a cause, not for a dream or a promise, simply because it is Jesus who called. And if we believe, we'll obey. Yeah. It's almost like it's more noble that uh, you, you don't just know have what you're doing. no fucking reason to follow this person beyond like, you're such a good little obedient person. Mm-hmm. Um, also, to put it in our parlance, because my dad told me to. Dad, I do. It's also misleading he's saying that because Jesus did do miracles with the fishermen before they followed him. Mm. Like, Jesus didn't say, come on, y'all. And they were like, yep, (laughs) gotta go. Yeah, he showed them some good. He He filled their nets with fish. Right. Before going all in. I mean, I understand what he's trying to say, but he's also wrong. (laughs) Like... You could argue there was a lot of reasons the fishermen followed him, maybe initially, that maybe changed later as Mm -hmm. they went. But, like, initially, it could be because this guy's miraculous. It could be because he already had, like, a little bit of a crowd following him around. Um, He'd already been teaching for a little while. And also, uh, fish is their business. So, basically, Jesus just came and dumped hundreds of dollars into their pockets and then said, would you like to have a little more of that, you know? Like, that's also perhaps why they may have followed. So what a weird read into that story for Stephen to be like. They were just like, sure. my mind is empty and <laughs> I am totally down. Let's go, you know? Which is so funny because so much of his songwriting and even, you remember when we did that, I think it was like a hunt for the best Christian song of all time and it was the wedding songs. And it was that, I, I will be here. Yeah, That song yeah. by him. Uh-huh. It's so, he's like a deeply feeling songwriter. Like he's very tender yes. and very feelings forward. It's not like, yeah. just go. Not militant. and He's know, emotional, think, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the positive way. Yeah. So it is so funny, like you're saying, for him to express duty and nobility sort of divorced from the inherent emotions that would animate it. Yeah. From the idea of like, because of love, because of of devotion to, to someone. Where right. it's just like, for the sake of the call. Just literally because the words were spoken. It's it like, it reminds me of how often we would have discussions like in our Bible studies and stuff about having like purity of motive in what you do for God or not. Mm -hmm. Like if you could really slice it so thin that you only are ever doing anything because God told you to. That sounds like something I would annoyingly bring up a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, me too. Because I I would, you know, examine myself and be like, it's probably like 90-10, you know, at best Mm -hmm. that I'm doing that. And like, is that okay? Clearly it's not because even, you know, someone like Stephen is saying that like, if you were really following God, you wouldn't need any other incentive basically beyond just like complete blind faith, which is inadvisable, by the way, for anything else. For anything. <laughs> like really, you shouldn't well, do that. That would, that would 
again, it's one of those things that just using, not to get Shapiro on your ass, but just using basic logic, if you apply this tenet of thought process to any other part of your life, and you said, devote yourself to something and maybe don't understand right. Literally, the course says, no other reason at all. No other reason at all. (laughs) Not even a dream? Not even a promise? That was Those the, are like good things? That was the part that bummed me out is like... Like what? The the idea, and I, and I think when we, we even think about the idea of what a, a corrective version of faith or Christianity or, or being in community that sort of um, like the guardrails of it are, are Christian values, like Christ-like values, there is a dream behind that. There is a cause behind of that. Of course. It's like, it's the healing of yourself, each other, and the world. It is the dream, even for the most right-wing evangelical people, it's like that this way is better. Yeah. I saw their way and my dad's way was better. Exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's many creeds, many dreams, many visions that Christians openly, you know, proclaim and like follow and mm-hmm. say like, this is why we're doing this. But yeah, it was so weird that he would call those out specifically as like those dirty things like promises and creeds and like sacred things. Um, it To me, I think the thing that he is wants so badly and the reason you would even write such a sweeping song about this because it is very difficult, I would say actually impossible for anybody is to do something completely without any self-interest at all. Like that's the purity test for any Christian and, and what I'm talking about, like with that motive thing and why we were so concerned with it because it really undoes your like devotion or your or your sincere belief that like whatever God's plan is, is the best plan. Because if you have any kind of self-interest, like, well, I'm following God's plan, but also like, I'd love to have a husband for example, right. or I would love to also be accepted by this community, you are now inserting your own agenda and therefore you're being like faithless to whatever God wants in your life, even if what you want is not like a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is like, that's like the, it's like the more, one of the more torturous like cycles you can have in your mind as a Christian is like, am I doing this because I actually am obeying God? Am I doing this for the sake of the call? Or am I doing this because he gave me some stuff or I want something from God or I'm trying to assert my own will in my life or whatever it may be? Yeah, and not to be reductive about it too, but completely trying to compartmentalize it outside of an exchange of love. Yeah. There's only one... um, 21st century, I'll say, analog to what this is getting at. And it's a greatest hit we do on the show all the time. But it's it's military language. Yeah, it is. Where it's like, for the sake of God and country and to be faithful to your unit and your brothers and sisters in combat, like, where it's just like, don't think about it. The commanding officer said this. Yeah. You do not parse with judgment or discernment. You only act upon it for no other reason yeah and that's what they do in cults too it's like kill your individuality kill your sense of intuition kill your sense of like opinion Mm -hmm. 
or even perspective on what's happening, if you can tell something is irrational, kill that because that is breaking the rule and like that it's it ruins the fantasy that like everything's according to plan here, you know? And it says that in one of the verses is like, once we have the Savior's call, we'll follow, we'll follow wherever he leads because of the love he has shown. So even he's saying like, this gives a love he's shown. Mm-hmm. And because he has called us to go, we will answer. But yeah, you're right. It's like, it's not an exchange where you get to ask Jesus why or express maybe what you were thinking. Hey, I was thinking maybe today we could go to Detroit. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> By the way, so you do want to go to Detroit? <laughs> Detroit's pretty cool. Have you been? Uh, yeah, I used to live in Michigan. Back in the day. I haven't been in Detroit. Um, I mean, Detroit. There's a lot going on in Detroit. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, the fact that you wouldn't be able to express any kind of, like, use your damn brain at all, you know? That, like, the, the ideal follower of Jesus is someone that just, like, without literally anything is like, you got it, God. No problem. Mm-hmm. Heading here. And also... The other like mind-numbing, crazy-making part of that is, are you even hearing the call or not? Are Ooh. you hearing God's will in your life mm-hmm. or not? Is that God's will or is that secretly you asserting your own will? Like the idea that you could even very... It, actually, this song starts with the idea that like the call is very clear. Yes. Extremely understandable. We all have the baseline call. We get that. It's sort of like a whether you're going to go there or not. It all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is the call? Is it some guy at church saying like, please come on my mission trip. You have to, or you're bad. Mm-hmm. Like, is it, is it someone, it's hardly ever someone saying like, go for that job in accounting because you should be providing for your family. You know? Well, like Mr. Powell was outlining in the encyclopedia, this was a boon as far as sort of recruitment rhetoric. This was it gets back into the military a again. From heaven. There's I'm, nothing more noble. For the sake of the call, you got to go doing to Tucson, Arizona. Extremely sacrificial and kind of not great for you in the long run. I wonder how he feel. He he continues to perform this song. It was a, a number one song from him. This is him doing it here at a later stage in his life. Remember when he was Blue in that Chippendale movie? What the hell was that? Yeah, what was that? Why was he blue in the Chippendale movie? Strange. <laughs> he was trying blue. to get those church bussins. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a good song too. I mean, it sounds great. It must be a blast to sing. Oh yeah. Oh, musically, I feel like it's fairly <laughs> for its time. Unimpeachable. Uh, <laughs> the. The rhetoric also of like abandoning things in your life. Mm-hmm. That concerns me as well. Well, tell me about that. Um, well, I feel like you only use the word abandon when the stakes are high, when it's like important things. Mm-hmm. You know, like relationships, your own dreams of what you were going to do with your life. You know, like I'm going to abandon it. You know, you don't say like, I'm going to deprioritize. <laughs> I'm going to workshop it. I'm going to circle back at a later date. Like abandonment is such a stark, you know, cutoff to something. And anyway, it it like, it almost triggers me too. Because it made me think of being like a high school, college kid and being like, 
oh, I have to do like really high stakes, like 180s on stuff that are, are not wrong, but like what else in my life would I abandon? You know, like I'm not gonna abandon my family or maybe I should, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't like that rhetoric around these things, you know? I wonder, man, what is that book where it's talking about just how, it, it's not religious at all, but just how social and political movements and how revolutions happen. It's when, if anything exists at like an 80%, you do have to take it to 100% in mm-hmm. the way that you communicate it. Right. You do have to make an, an extreme emotion. Yeah. Because saying, I don't know, well, just, you know, chill out, but it would be nice if if we yeah. did no one's move getting fired towards up about this. that. It has to be, you must leave it all behind, and especially for the way children and people around the age that you're probably thinking of and conceiving of receive that sort of information. It's so much easier to, and more fun to participate in this grand drama of something of like, I'm leaving this, I'm taking this. Yeah. Rather than the the adult reality of relax, chill out, it'll be fine either way. Yeah. These things are probably good. And even if you believed in all of this and that all of this was true, there's a way in which you can inch towards and move towards this gently with love and re- respect and grace. Yeah. That doesn't need to be, ah, and then you take it and then you set it on fire. Yeah. And then you take your secular CDs, including your two Titanic soundtracks, and make a mirror ball of secular music uh. in your youth group. I know. <laughs> for example, for hypothetical. Your folklore and evermore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about that's really the bummer of the streaming age of music right now. It's like kids don't they don't have the opportunity to oh, set yeah, their yeah, I got nothing to burn. No, you, you can't burn your login to make this. And that was uh, a <laughs> that was an Arrested Development joke. Is like Steve Holt wants to have a CD burning party, <laughs> and maybe thinks it's to like make mixtapes. He's oh, like, yeah. no, it's to burn Christian <laughs> that's right. music. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like. When you're 55 and you hear this song, what is it that you're like going to abandon your family? (laughs) You know, like what is it that, you know, you've built up to this point with probably some degree of intention? I don't know. I feel like the only people this really sinks into are people who are like in sort of a desperate mindset already, you know, and are already ready to like in a vulnerable position, get stuff and do something, you know, drastic. I know. Is that interesting? Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, I mean, you know what we got to do. We got to go to YouTube for. <laughs> there was a, there was a tribute to Skeet and Squirtus Fatman at the Dev Awards, the 37th Dev Awards back in 2006. This is Mac Powell, David Crowder, Jeremy Camp, and Mark Hall from Counting Casting Crowns. Wow. And they do a little. They do a little medley. <laughs> What's your first thought? <laughs> Look at these. <laughs> the best of the mid-men. <laughs> All four of them on stage. Midly men. <laughs> I'm sorry to some of you. These are your faves. Oh, wait. I, I remember my Twitter joke. I was going to workshop with what? you. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone's worried about that AI program, but dating in LA is a bit of a mid journey unto itself. <laughs> nice. They're, yeah, they're kind of doing harmony. For the sake 
They pulled this together about 20 minutes ago. Guys, we got to put on the greatest talent show the Dove Awards has ever seen. Do you guys want to do any sort of like lighting movement or no. choreography? Or no, thanks. We'll just sell on Visual stools. effects. No, we're just going to stool it up. Okay, well, at least we'll do a different instrument for each of you, right? No, we'd rather not. <laughs> okay. Do you guys want to put on an outfit that's maybe a little bit better than Applebee's brunch? No, that would distract from the Lord. Oh, okay. We're going to abandon right, taste. That's what Stephen would want. Beautiful wife, Mary Beth as well. Is wonderful <laughs> this is Mac Powell. There's Mac. I like Mac. Aw, they're so cute. See, I like him. So yeah, I do too. That haircut. 2006. We were we were struggling. We were struggling back then. It's okay. Sorry, sorry, Mac. There was an online jam cover from the heat of the pre-vaccine pandemic, June 14th, 2020. Almost. Cool. Five friends. Caroline, what am I putting in the comments? Nice. Nice. Two, two exclamation, exclamation points. points. That's right, baby. Uh, the coveted two. <laughs> They're getting a two. <laughs> they put more effort into that than uh, what they did at the Dove Awards. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Christmas choir performance from back in 2010 of a church, uh, Grace Church Fullerton. Um <laughs> They kind of give it a sense of urgency. This is crisp. <laughs> That's what the song was missing. They came. Perfect, you guys. That's the sound I make when I recklessly, when I come with reckless <laughs> And they came. Let's get the chorus. Man, this is the most juiceless choir I've ever heard in my life. I'm sorry. What happened? <laughs> Uh, Juiceless is one of my favorite descriptors <laughs> as of it's recently. technically correct, but it's man. It's good. <laughs> uh, and then this is a recent cover. What a dignified man. He's aging so handsomely. This is just Steven. Evan. Steven again. I would kill to look that good at his age. He's like 89 right there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not 89. But he he a, sounds good, too. He's kept his voice really well. Yeah. I respect Stephen Curtis Fatman. I really do. It's clear you do by the way you call him by his name. Yeah. <laughs> I do like his kind of... um. Yeah, he's got like a theatrical voice a little bit too. He's mm -hmm. got something that's a little bit, they're professional to it. But he never seems like he's straining. Never. In a way that maybe his compatriot MWS, Smitty, might. 
like, John Foreman. He's really, or yeah, John Kermit's trying to get up there. And yeah. Like, Hi, you're registered. I mean, maybe he doesn't have like a lot of character, his voice or something in those other ways, oh, but I, I like it. He's got plenty of character. Right? Yeah. You know, Sonorous. I, I, was, I was looking into the Cost of Discipleship book because Chapman was talking about, oh, there was this part where they talked, where, where Bonhoeffer was talking about, it's not for a dream. And so I just did like a little <laughs> PDF search of dream uh-huh. in it. And in one chapter, Bonhoeffer writes, the world dreams of progress, of power, and of the future, but the disciples meditate on the end, the last judgment, and the coming of the kingdom. To such heights the world cannot rise. And so the disciples are strangers in the world, unwelcome guests and disturbers of the peace. No wonder the world rejects them. Why does the Christian church so often have to look on from outside when the nation is celebrating? Have church, well, not anymore. Have churchmen no understanding and sympathy for their fellow men? Have they become victims of misanthropy? No one loves his fellow men better than a disciple. Nobody understands his fellow men better than the Christian fellowship, and the very love impels them to stand aside and mourn. I just thought that was an interesting little passage of like, yeah, why are you dreaming about the future? We know the end is coming. Mm-hmm. Like, like the future is a, a a distraction, like a false flag or a red herring from yeah. final judgment almost. Very weird. And mm-hmm. also weird to say that the final judgment, not a dream, a nightmare, I guess, or like, but, uh, you know, a similar conjecture in some ways, but, huh, nothing to build toward. I mean, for now. You you wouldn't expect of a man who tried to kill Hitler, but he was a little intense. Yeah, he he is more intense than I thought he would be. You thought he'd be like, guys, <laughs> should we, should we? I know it's bad, but he did bad stuff too. I don't know. Oh, oh gracious! Anything else to say about this song before we roast it or toast it? I don't think so. All right. Well, you know how it works, listener. We give it a holy toast. That's a thumbs up. It goes to heaven. A holy roast. Thumbs down. Or neither. It goes to purgatory. The space Man, I hope we get Dave Matthews on the show one day. <laughs> We're getting closer every, Talk about every the, year. The Chicago Bridge incident. I, I saw that bridge. It. I saw it when oh, I was you did? there last summer. Is there a plaque or anything? I think there is. I think there actually is. <laughs> there's a statue. <laughs> yeah, there's a reenactment. <laughs> this is what it looked like. Life size. It was so much. It was so. Much. It was so. Everyone read up on that back in two thousand four. But the boat should be in the Smithsonian. Belongs in a museum. Belongs in a museum. Thirty five. I'm a thirty five year old man. <laughs> I'm a young man. I can do this. <laughs> Caroline, we'll start with you. I want. I want to. Uh. I'm going to give this a toast. You know, never has enlistment sounded so soaring and so exciting. Mm-hmm. I think that the Marines need to stop doing these video game commercials and start putting Steven's song over the enlistment process. Just some montage of that. They've taken down the Jonathan Majors ads and replaced it with Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> Wait, Stephen Curtis Chapman replaces Jonathan Majors as Kang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Twitter rejoicing over unproblematic Stephen Curtis Chapman. 
He's also playing The Flash. Stephen <laughs> okay, wow. Chapman replaces Ezra Miller in The Flash. <laughs> he replaces that. Right? He's the new Christopher Plummer because yeah. Plummer died. Oh, yeah. We need mm. a new plumber. We need a new plumber, which is what I said in the casting room <laughs> that fateful day. Yeah, Super that's Mara. right. But Congrats, toast, by the way. It's a, yay. Um, yeah, I would say it's a toast. Uh, you know, all the the issues aside I have with mindless following, I'm like, yeah, it's a good song. I'm gonna give it a toast too, because I for the purposes of what it was getting at, the kind of scratching at the thing, because we we re- we really deconstructed it from the sense of what is this actually saying about blind devotion apart from mutuality, love, grace, and respect, <laughs> which you know, just taking the song at face value in a larger picture way, it does feel like it's kind of getting at this thing that everybody needs that old, you know, old cousin was talking about in the season premiere of the bear this year purpose. Mm. What is the purpose? What is the call? What is the vocation and the Christian life as we've understood it and the vision of it laid out in this song, it will give you that purpose. It is a, Pretty understandable and comprehensible, comprehensible, I should say, path to walk. And not without fear or frailty or mystery, but the idea of you you need to do something and to devote yourself to something larger and outside of yourself and great. The sound of that and that universal feeling is good to to conjecture about and and try to articulate and communicate. This is an interesting way to do it musically. I I can I can dig it and get behind it, mm-hmm. but sort of it was missing for me the thing which is just like love. Mm. It's like and the older I get, I'm like, but wait, isn't it about love in every part of my life? Little things that are that are kind of itching at me or or bothering me, a lot of times I realize because it lacks love because there's not a current of love and love can be like, oh, this person doesn't care about what they're doing, so there's no love behind it. Yeah. Or this person's not being kind in what they're doing, so there's not, no love behind it. Mm-hmm. This thing that I'm experiencing, art, media, it doesn't, it stinks and it doesn't feel like a product of love. Yeah. And in the same way outline it or or the or this political ideology or philosophy abandons love in favor of whatever of of capital or or in sort of just a, a, a pedestaling of the elite or something it it it's not a holistic love. And I feel like this song lacks love in a lot of ways in what in what it's getting after. Like the call. The call should be love. And and if if it really is a gospel story about a God who so loved the world that blah blah blah, and then you are compelled by love to do these things too, it shouldn't be for no other reason at all. Yeah. The call is love, and yeah. maybe if we said this to old Mister Fatman himself, he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Right? Maybe, but but it's like I don't know. It didn't feel that way. It feels like the love is assumed. Mm-hmm. That it's not exactly like expressed. I always think of uh, Logan in the season three finale in Italy when he's when Roman's like, I don't know, love. Love is like you come to me. <laughs> love, love, yeah, love, yeah. Gotta have love. 
And I think you do. Love my cat. So that said, we still give it good, a holy but, toast. <laughs> listen, when a jam is a jam. That that bass line on the <laughs> corner. There's so the much boop, I could do. Boop, 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 boop. Hey, we're human. <laughs> and with that, we bring it down to a more human space. A worshipful space, a worshipful time on other podcasts. We may promote ourselves and plug our projects, but we're not doing that. We're lifting them up to the Lord. We start with Caroline. You can lift me up at Caroline's Farts. And I am going to lift up a movie I watched on streaming. Don't ask me where. I don't remember. And I don't have to remember. You can look it up. Yeah, you can look it up. Uh, but a movie Damn. called... Uh, <laughs> It's called Rye Lane. It's a rom-com. I've heard this is great. I've heard great things it's about fun. this. It's fun. It was really good. Um, oh, what a wonderful thing. I always love a movie that, you know, is all sweeping toward a big kiss at the end. Mm-hmm. And you get that. And uh, very funny and very fresh and new. I liked it a lot. So I'd recommend Rye Lane. If you're looking for a good rom-com. And if you're looking for it, look no further than Ann Dowd's streaming service of choice, Hulu. <gasps> Thank you, Kevin. It's on Kevin Hulu. looked it up for you guys because he's he loves you. Because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank Hulu. Hulu. This is Ann Dowd accepting her <laughs> Emmy for Best Supporting Hulu. Actor on The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Ann Dowd. Oh, you can you lift did. me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. Larabox Peloton Instagram OnlyFans. Doing some really creative things on that OF page these days. Oh, yeah? Really testing the limits of people's goodwill Mm. for me. Oh, yeah. And their good money. Just getting in there. I will lift up... Oh, God. You know what? I got to look... I got to lift up that book that I've talked about passively, but I'll, I'll give it the official lift up here. It's a book called Platonic, How the Science of Attachment can help you make and keep friends, which makes it sound way more self-helpy than it is of like, how do I talk to someone at a party? Which is how I sound <laughs> at parties. Yeah, that's why it's not. By Marissa G. Book. Franco, PhD. I love her lens and, and sort of a vision of, that's kind of reductive of how friendship forms and functions for people, examining and interrogating the history of it and why it feels harder in 2023. Why? Which parts feel easier? How to make things work for you? But it's a very compassionate sort of understanding of what friendship can and should be. And ever since I started reading it, I've made 30 new friends. Whoa, that's a lot. I know. And wait a minute, I'm checking my text. I just made five more. Oh my gosh. And if you come to one of my platonic book parties and you bring five friends... And then they and bring, they bring five, $5. Yeah. Then they can buy the book <laughs> and they'll learn how to do it. <laughs> hmm, I don't know about this book. So platonic, everyone buy a terrific book. And they indicted me. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. <laughs> Patreon.com slash good Christian fun for more good Christian fun. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donated our to charity this month's charity. Do we have a charity this month? We've been doing that for a while. Oh uh, yeah. Usually just been saying we donate a dollar to charity. Yeah. Unnamed. <laughs> For like a month or two. No? Yeah. Do you want me to get one? Right. No, we don't have uh, to do it now. Okay. <laughs> I'll just retake it. Emma, cut this out. Sorry, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Uh, every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. 
Caroline, thanks for joining me on the show today. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. And do you want to thank me for joining you on the show today? Thank you for joining me on my show today, Kevin. You're so welcome. I appreciate it. And And thank you mostly to those beautiful listeners out there. Those beautiful. gorgeous little ears. Gorgeous. Those supple little ears. Delicious little ear holes. Waiting to (laughs) receive the aural. That's an A-U-R-L. Pleasure. Not oral. Aural. Exactly. And there's nothing left to say except for, okay, Okay, I I love love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. Now watch this drive. And they indicted me. No, we're not adding that. (laughs) We can't add, and they indicted me. All right. What is the song? You know what? You know what we're going to do? We're going to play the reprise of this song from the album, which is this funny little orchestral version. Shake my balls at it. Well, we had a lot of fun today. I feel like I learned the shape of my balls. And I hope you learned the shape of yours. Wholly devoted for no other reason at all but the shape of my balls. <laughs> That's OnlyFans.com slash Kevin T. Porter. <laughs> and tonight, as you go home to your loved one, or loved ones, I don't know your life, or to your loved pets, nice. if you're like me, I hope you hold them tight. And enough with this ball humor. That's not really what I want to say. What I really want to say is this. The call is love. Make love the call of your life. Wrap it up. And don't keep that call. (laughs) Hang on. Don't leave that call waiting, which was a feature phones used to have 20 or 30 years ago. Answer the call today. Love one another. 800. Love each other. For God. And love yourself. Amen. Goodbye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.